lot about love over these last couple of weeks. We're going to continue on on that subject here this morning. But um, I, I apologize. I should have let you know earlier on in the series, a couple of weeks ago when we started, I should have given you my credentials uh, to be able to teach on this subject, the, uh, the authority I have in which I can speak about love. You see, for me, this journey began at a very early age. I was 11 years old. 11 years old. I'd left uh, grade school, and I was now at high school. In England, you go straight from grade school to high school, middle school and high school are together. So it was my first year of high school. And um, one of my best friends, Nick Barber, it was his 11th birthday, and uh, he, was, he was inviting me and about 10 friends to go to his 11th birthday. We were pretty excited. He was going to be at his house. He said, I'm going to have some music playing. We'll have some, some soda and some chips and some cookies. And we're like, yeah, great party. So... Um, he comes in a couple of days later, he goes, hey, listen, it's my cousin's birthday around the same time as well, and she's a girl, and she's going to invite 10 of her friends to the party. Now, I'm pretty excited at this point, because I, I, I should have told you, this high school I went to is an all-boys high school, where I grew up in London, I went to an all-boys high school. Uh, to, to make it more interesting, at this particular all-boys high school, you went by your last name, that's how the teachers addressed you, so I was Jane. Yes, I was Jane at an all-boys high school. That was a fun eight years of my life. So, um, built a lot of self-esteem and stamina. But, uh, but yeah, so, so I'm at this all-boys high school, and I find out the next party, there are going to be ten girls and ten guys. And I'm like, hey, this is going to be good. So a couple of days later, Nick comes in. He goes, I've talked to my cousin. I've got a list of the names of all the girls that are going to be there. We're like, yeah. He goes, so I'm going to write down all 10 names on a list, and I'm going to tear them up, and we'll meet in the locker room at break time, and we'll put them all in a hat, and we'll draw a name each, and that'll be your girl, because that's how love works at 11 years old. So we're super excited. It's like kind of a little bit anxious. Who, who am I going to get? You know, we're, we're, uh, we're kind of nervous, and I pull a name out of the hat, Claire Sweeney. I'm not sure, it doesn't sound amazing, but okay, I'll keep my fingers crossed here, Claire Sweeney. So Claire Sweeney is who I got. So another week or so goes by, and we arrive at Nick Barber's party, and, we, and I got there early. <laughs> you know, as I was preparing this message and thinking about this story, I remembered the shirt I was wearing. It was a Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt. It was like my favorite sweatshirt. We'd been to America the summer before, and I was wearing this Dallas Cowboys, because that was so cool at 11 years old. Um, so I'm wearing my Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt. I'm there, and in walk the girls. One by one, they start coming in. And I'm not sure if it's because the music was playing or whether I just heard music, but there came a point where everything just kind of slow motions. The music was just ringing in my ears as this girl walked in. We're like, who is that? And Nick leans across. He goes, that's Claire Sweeney. <laughs> I'm like, yes! At the 10 to 1 odds, and I got Claire Sweeney. This is fantastic. So I was super, super excited. So as the party went on, there was like upbeat music playing. And, and uh, as, as is the case, I'm sure, with many 11-year-old boys and girls parties, we were all stood on one side of the room, and all the girls were on the other side of the room. And occasionally, the boys would like grab one of the boys and just kind of push them towards the girls. And they'd be like, ah, get on, get on. And we'd run back to our side of the room. And this carried on for about an hour, okay? All the girls over here, all the boys over here. But then... I don't know if it was Nick Barber's mum or if it was his cousin's mum. They switched up the music a bit. And we went from, from upbeat songs to some slow songs. Yeah. 
And it was the moment. And I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this, I haven't talked to Claire Sweeney at all at this point, but I'm about to dance with her. And I'm in love with her, by the way. Have I told you that yet? I, I had fallen in love. I've never spoken a word to her. But then the unimaginable happened. Duncan Howes. Duncan Howes gets up, walks across the room to Claire Sweeney, says, do you want to dance? And she says, yes. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> we've drawn names. Duncan, that's Claire Sweeney. I, I got her name. What are you, you got some other girl's name. Didn't anyone explain to the girls the rules here? And, and I remember sitting at this party at the age of 11 as that slow, sad song played and seeing my girl, my girl who I'd not yet spoken to, <laughs> dancing with Duncan Howes. In that moment, I learned the, the harsh reality of love and the damage it can do, the, the hurt you can feel from broken love. So I feel like in this particular series, I am well equipped to talk about love. Now, fortunately, um, it took about 17 more years, but in my late 20s, I figured out that it wasn't just about drawing names from a hat. You actually had to talk to girls, and I actually found a, a wonderful girl here in Washington, Illinois, and we did start talking to one another, and one thing led to another, and I'm now married to the wonderful Casey Jane, far better than Claire Sweeney ever was. So definitely... Yeah! I hope you're watching online, Claire Sweeney. Look at, <laughs> Look at what you could have heard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so I feel like that kind of prepares me to speak about this whole idea of love. And the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this whole idea of romantic love and husbands and wives. And, and I hope you've been challenged. I'll be honest with you, as I've spoken on it, it's challenged me. We've had a lot of conversations in the house over the last couple of weeks and uh, just about, uh, you know, the idea that love is a verb. Okay, you need to make love a verb. It's about doing things in your relationship. So we've been talking about that a lot, Case and I, over the last couple of weeks. But today I want to kind of shift a little bit and talk less about love in the relational sense, husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, that kind of thing. But I want to look more in the aspect of love between us and God. You see, here at Connect, we've been talking about since day one the message that Justin sang in that song this morning, that God loves you so much. That he is a good, good father. And whatever your experience was growing up of a father, I can promise you that God is a good, good father. And he loves you. That, those words of that song, I'm loved by you, that is so true. And from day one, that's what we've been communicating here. And if you've come, I hope you've heard that message loud and clear that whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever you've been through in life, God loves you. He loves you so much. He didn't pull your name from a hat and, and you show up and hope that it's you that he picks. It wasn't a random thing that he loves this person, but he chose this person and said, God loves every single one of you. He loves you so much. He has always loved you. He loves you right now and he will always love you. That's the message that we've wanted to communicate on a weekly basis. But you know, it doesn't end there. For us here at Connect, that's not where the message is. I hope you have learned that. I hope you've experienced that in your lives. I hope you've come to believe that to be true. That no matter what you've been through, that God does love you. But we don't want it just to end there. We don't want you just to understand how much God loves you. Our goal is that it would cause you to love him in return. That's our goal here in Connect, that it would cause you to love him in return. That you would reciprocate that love. That your life would literally change as a result of loving him. 
Because this week, I want to get to the, the heart of the matter of what it looks like to, be, to love God. I want to talk about loving God this week. For the last two weeks, you know, we've been talking about this idea of romantic love. And for those of you who are here, you'll know it takes more than just assuming that your spouse knows that she loves you. But we can get into that trap sometimes, can't we? In the busyness of life and just the routine and, and the schedules of our lives, we can just kind of go through a week and, and maybe we've just kind of um, made that assumption. Well, I'm sure she knows I love her. I'm sure he knows that I love him. But we've not done anything that week to show that. And when we talked about the idea of making love a verb, there are things we can do. Buy flowers, cooking them their favorite meal, leaving a post-it note on the fridge, or a, um, I guess nowadays a, a romantic comment on Facebook or Instagram, telling them how much you love them. These are all ways to show that person you love how much you love them. We don't just assume that they know, we actually make the effort to tell them. But the reality is we get caught up in the business of life, don't we? And our relationships, they're kind of like bank accounts, aren't they? If you've made an effort to, to make some deposits through the week, you know, whether it's a, um, telling them you love them, buying them flowers, whatever it may be, a, a hug here and there, just a, a moment of affection, those are like deposits. Because the reality is, if you're in a relationship now, you'll probably agree with me, where there are times where withdrawals are made. Maybe it was a bad day at work, maybe it was a disagreement, maybe you didn't see something eye to eye, but whatever happens, there's a withdrawal from that account. Now, the truth is, your relationship can sustain some withdrawals if the deposits have been made. But if that account is empty and you're making one withdrawal after another, it's going to have an impact on your relationship. So in the business of our lives, it's the idea of making love a verb. And this morning, I want to continue that thought as we look at our love for God. Because the, the idea, the bottom line I want to send you away with here this morning is that love will drive you to action. Love should drive you to action. If it's in your relationship with your spouse, there'll be things that you do. But in our relationship with God, what is the action that love drives us to? We know, maybe you're here this morning, you've grasped the idea that God loves you. Maybe you've made that decision. You've said, I want to love you back. So what does that look like? To love God this morning, what is that action like? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 21, he said, Those who accept my commandments and obey them, they are the ones that love me. They're the ones that love me. Jesus is saying, listen, you can identify the people who love me because it's demonstrated in the way they live their lives. They, they obey, they accept my commandments, they obey them. There's kind of a, um, a sign there, there's a way of measuring. Yeah, I can tell this person loves me because of the way they live their lives, what they do. He's saying that the ones who love him, they do something. There's an action involved. So this morning, for us here in Connect in 2016, what does that look like in our day-in, day-out lives? What does that look like for us as we live our lives every day? Well, I want to answer that question this morning by looking at um, someone in the Bible who I just think is a great example for us to follow. This man's name is David, and, and he was a great guy. He lived thousands of years ago, over a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. But he was a man who was known for his love for God. It was almost like a legacy that was passed on from generation to generation of how much this man loved God. In the New Testament, after Jesus had um, been alive and after he died and rose again, a man by the name of Paul, who's responsible for writing most of the New Testament, he said this of David. 
He was talking to those early followers of Jesus, and, and he was kind of going through a little bit of a church history lesson, and he was reminding them of some of the things they would have been familiar of, and he was talking about how years and years ago, God had put some kings in place, and listen to what he says in Acts chapter 13, verse 21. Reminding the followers there of Jesus of, of their own history, he said, then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin. And he ruled for 40 years. But after removing Saul, he made, God made David their king. And listen to this. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Wow. Can you imagine if God said that about you? He said, I, when I see David, I see somebody who is a man after my own heart. He is a man who loves me dearly. I can see how much David truly loves me. And a thousand years later, Paul is acknowledging that this great man, this great hero of their faith from Jewish history, his legacy had been somebody who was known to be um, a lover of God, someone whose heart was after God's. And that's what I want us to, people to be able to say of us this morning. If you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus. I want our friends and our family and our neighbors and our work colleagues to know that we love God, that we love Jesus. It makes a difference in our lives. So I want to look at David and see what it was about him that caused people to say that of him. And I think there were two main ways that you could see this played out in the life of David. Two ways that we can um, channel into our lives and say, yeah, I can live that way. I can follow David's example in that way. The first is that um, David's love for God, it was reflected in what he said. It was reflected in what he said. You know, David was known as someone who spoke of God and spoke of his love for God. In the middle of your Bible, if you were to have a Bible in front of you, you just kind of open it right in the middle. You'd find a huge um, section in the middle called the Psalms. There are 150 of them, and they're basically, they're like songs or poems that were written by these people about God. Written about what a great God he was, what a great creator, what a loving God, how he was there in times of trouble and there in times of need, and, and how he was there to pour out his love. And, and almost half of them, over 70 of those Psalms were written by David. David wrote at least 70 of these songs of praise and songs about God. He just loved God so much. Psalm chapter 8 is one of the ones he wrote. It says in verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him just a little lower than the angels. And you've crowned him with glory and honor. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. David just had this ability to look at God and say, wow. People, I can't stop talking about how amazing God is. Can you believe what God did? Can you believe God's plan for us? Can you believe how much God loves us? And his psalms have infected lives for, for hundreds of years to come. The song, How Great Thou Art, the famous hymn that we sing, was based on this psalm. The man who wrote the hymn, How Great Thou Art, when he read this, thought, man, that inspires me to want to write this song about how great God is. Psalm 18, verse 1, again, written by David, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. 
In Psalm 23, and many of you may be familiar with that um, psalm, it's often read at funerals. The very first line of it is, the Lord is my shepherd. And it's a psalm, it's a song of comfort and peace through difficult times. And I love that David wrote this psalm because before he was a king, he was a shepherd. And he sat looking out over sheep and, and he knew what it was like to care for and to protect and to love these sheep that he was in charge of. And one day he sat down and, and put pen to paper or whatever they used in those days, feathers or chisels or something. But he, he sat down and he wrote out and said, you know, God, you're like a shepherd. You love us so much. You protect us. I, I know what it's like to be a shepherd and I see you as being a shepherd in my life. I think if you ever had a conversation with David, there would be no doubt how he felt about God. But I wonder if the same could be said of us. In the things that we say or maybe the things that we don't say. What comes out of our mouth at times. I wonder if people would say the same of us. Wow, I can tell by the way that person speaks that, they, that, that God makes a difference in their life. They really love God. They really see him and the plan that he has for their lives. Because think about it, it's true, isn't it? The, the longer you get to know someone, the more you can kind of find out about what it is they love. Have you ever noticed that? Like as you get to know someone, you, you tend to find that there's, there's things in their conversation, things that they talk about that kind of floats to the top of the surface. It could be lacrosse. It could be country music. It could be shopping, fishing, running, NASCAR. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. But the more you get to know someone... Someone's like, all of those. They are all on my list. I love every one of those. But, but the reality is, as you get to talk to someone, you start to see, wow, they talk about this a lot. I want to be known as somebody who, you know, of all the things I talk about, like family and soccer and, and England, whatever else I talk about, that people will say, yeah, but you know what? I can tell that you love God as well because of things you say, because of things you talk about, maybe even because of things you don't say. You don't gossip, you don't backbite, you don't you know, speak ill of people. And, and people could tell that there's a difference that God has made in your life. You know, I remember hearing a story once about a guy who um, just was living a rough life and um, you know, was, was a little bit like the prodigal son, was out doing all sorts of things and, and, and it was catching up on him. He was, he was kind of miserable in his life and one day he went to a crusade and, and the guy at the front was talking about Jesus and the difference he can make in your life and in this moment of desperation, this guy said, I need help. And he went down to the front and he kind of confessed the stuff he was into and the guy says, well, God can forgive you and they prayed together and he, he wept and, and at that moment he felt God's love come down and forgive him and accept him and, and it just changed his life forever. He went home that night and knew that God had changed his life forever. In fact, the next few days at work, people could see there was a difference in this guy. It was such a transformation. And finally, someone says, you know, what is it about you? What's, what's different about you? He said, well, I went to this meeting and, and they explained about Jesus. And I asked him into my heart. I asked him to be my Lord and, and it's changed who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus and it's made a huge difference in my life. The story goes that one of his colleagues came up to him and said, hey, I just heard what you shared. That's awesome. I'm a follower of Jesus as well. I was so excited to hear that. It's awesome. And this man's response was, you are? Then why didn't you tell me? I, I love this. Why didn't you let me know? For years I've been looking for this. And, and why didn't you tell me? 
And when I hear that story, it's a challenging story because I want to be somebody who introduces people to the Jesus that I love. But at the same time, I kind of get caught up, and I've done this a lot in my life, where I almost feel like, man, I've really got to try hard here. Jesus is counting on me, and if I don't get out there today, and my community, my friends, my neighbors, I've got to force it in there, and I've got to somehow find a way to tell someone that Jesus loves them, and tell them about Jesus, maybe wear a t-shirt with a Bible verse on, or something, you know, because I've really got to get it in there, and I don't want you looking for, like, awkward, contrived conversations. I was thinking about it, you know, I was imagining this scene of you being at work this week, having heard what I said, and thinking, yeah, the day's right, I've got to talk more about Jesus, so I look for that moment, and you have to be in the break room, and a couple of people are talking about the weekend, and one saying, I went to the movies over the weekend, I saw Zoolander, and uh, it was so funny, I love Ben Stiller and your other colleagues, like, oh yeah, Will Ferrell's in that movie, isn't he? I love his movies, they're great, and you're like, yeah, you know who I love? Jesus. Yeah. He'll change your life. It just it doesn't fit right, does it? It's just kind of a little bit awkward, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, back to work. So, <laughs> you know, we, we kind of go from one extreme to the other, don't we? Sometimes we, we never speak of him, and then other times we're worried, and we try and squeeze him in where it's like an awkward conversation. But the reality is, and we talked about this in a series that we just did called A Questionable Life. When we live as followers of Jesus, when we strive to live his way, there will be things about us that will set us apart, that will make us different. And will cause people to ask questions. Why is it that you, you don't respond this way? Or why is it that you do respond this way? And, and those moments will come. And I, my challenge to you is pray this week, God, I want people to know about you. I want people to know about you through me. I want people to know, like David, that the things I say show my love for you. So God, would you give me opportunities this week? When that opportunity presents itself, Lord, let me know without any shadow of doubt, this is one of those moments that I can step into and, and share a thought or say something or, or um, you know, it'll just be a very natural thing because, God, I want to do it. So please, God, when those opportunities present themselves, help me not to shy away but to, to use that moment to share of my love for you. You know, for David, it wasn't just reflected in what he said. David's love, I think people, if you knew David, as we read about David, I think it's quite clear that David loved God with all of his heart. He was a man after his own heart, but it wasn't just reflecting what he said, it was reflected in what he did. It wasn't just reflected in the way David spoke about God, it was reflected in the way that he behaved. Love for God, David's love for God drove him to action. There were times in David's life where he, he did things because of his love for God. There's one very famous time where um, in, in Israel at that time, the Ark of the Covenant, it wasn't where it should have been, okay? The Ark of the Covenant, if you remember the Indiana Jones movie, it's this big chest and the Ten Commandments are in there and, and it was always in the center of worship in Israel. In Jerusalem, it was brought to the, to the place and, and the people would come and this was the place where they would come to worship God and, and it, was, it had been taken away by some enemies and David went to get it back. And David and his soldiers and the people of Israel, they were bringing it back to its rightful place. And they were so excited. David loved God so much. And the idea that the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was going to come back to its rightful place, that he couldn't just carry it back and set it in place. He was worshiping God all the way. Listen to what it says he did in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14. It says, David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. Now, I want you to picture this scene. This is David, the king of Israel, 
very dignified, very proper. He's bringing this, this um, Ark of the Covenant back in, and he loves God so much that he's not afraid of what anyone thinks about him. He just cares about God. He's like, I love God so much, I'm going to dance for him. Have you ever seen when that happens, where someone just doesn't care what anyone's thinking, and they just are happy to just dance? You haven't? Well, check out this. This may help. All right. Who's dancing? Come on. Who's dancing? You want me to, want me to get it started? I'll get it started. Come on, some of you dads, you're like that dad there, aren't you? Your kids are around you and like, woo! They're like, Dad, seriously, stop. But see, that's what David was doing. He was just dancing. And do you know what? His wife was embarrassed. There's a couple of verses later where she kind of chastises him and says, Listen, I know you love God and everything, but you're the king. And all that dancing, the way you were carrying on, that's kind of embarrassing. You need to tone it down a little bit. And listen to what David says in 2 Samuel 6, 21 to 22. He says, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I, I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. Because I love God. I want to behave in a way that people will know that I love God. Now, already I can see some of you looking nervous. You're like, okay, Dave, so how does this apply? <laughs> like, do I need to come next week and be ready to kind of, you know, during worship? Is that what you're looking at? No, I know, I know, no. For some of you, just taking your hands out of your pockets this morning, that was a huge step in the right direction, so well done. Um, but maybe we could. Maybe during worship, it's, it's doing something new. It's clapping. It's, it's smiling, maybe. You should try. That's awesome sometimes as well. But just, you know, saying, God, I, I love you, and I want my, my mannerisms, my face. I want to, this is a time where I can say how much I love you. There are ways in our lives, and, and sometimes it's a little bit of a stretch, but I think that stretch, is, if we really love God, it should drive us to action. So what other actions are there that it could drive us to? Well, there's one coming up in a couple of weeks. Two weeks today, we're actually having a baptism service here at Connect. It's one service. It's at 10 o'clock. And um, 
Jesus said, you know, as a follower of Jesus, you are to repent and be baptized. This was a command he gave. We've had many people who, because of a new relationship with Jesus, have stood up here on this stage and have gone into our baptism tank here and, and said, I want everyone to know, even the phrase we use is go in public. I want everyone to know how much I love Jesus. I want them to know how much I love him. And because of that, I'm choosing to be baptized. Maybe there are some of you here this morning that this is something you've never done before. And it's like, I'm not sure if I want to do that. That's, that's kind of difficult. But it's, it's an action. It's a way of saying, God, I love you. I want people to know how much I love you. I'm going to get baptized because it's a public declaration of my love for you. There are so many other ways, but the, the reality is that the closer you get to God, the more you start to, to fall in love with God, the more your life will start to change. You know, Casey and I have been married for 18 years, and I love her so much. She loves me quite a lot as well. And uh, the truth is that over 18 years, she has helped me become a better version of me. I feel like I'm a better person because of my relationship with her. I'd like to believe that in our 18 years together that she has, has come to a place in her life where she's now a better version of herself as well. But that's what love does. It helps bring out the best in one another. And the closer you get to God, the more he starts to bring out the best in you. And as you follow God and you say, God, I want to love you, then, then you'll start to see that the things that God loves, you love too. The things that, that break the heart of God start to break the heart of you. When you look out at um, injustice and poverty and brokenness that, that break the heart of God, it affects you as well. You think, you know, I can't just sit by and, and not do something about this. I want to be involved in helping to make a difference because I know this is on the heart of Father God. And because I love him, it's affecting me in the same way. Love will drive you to action. Love for God will drive you to action. You know, in conclusion, there's, um, there's a word that's it's, it's a Greek word, and it's a fascinating word. The word is agape. Okay, and you may have heard that word before. And, and here's why it's fascinating. So in the Greek language, there were several different words for love. So we kind of lose, when we read the Bible, we lose a little bit of the, the meaning there because every time we read it, it just says love. So whether it's like a brotherly love or a husband-wife romantic love or a love that, that God has for us and we can have for him, they're all written the same as, as the word love. But in the Greek, they're written differently. And the word agape, that's the highest form of love. That's the love that God has for us. And interestingly enough, whenever we've spoken about in the context of God, agape is a noun. And every time it's spoken about from God, it's, it's, it's talked about as a noun because God is love. It doesn't talk about how God loves us. It says God is love. And it's hard for us to imagine it, but he is love encapsulated. It just everything about God is love. But when it's spoken about for our lives, it's spoken about as a verb, and that word is agapeo. And agapeo can be used in different ways. It can be used to, the, to talk about the way we love God, or it can be talked about the, used to talk about the way that we love other things as well. Maybe things that aren't of God. Because the meaning of this word actually means to totally give ourselves over to something. To totally give ourselves over to something. That's the kind of love God is looking for in our lives. That's the kind of love that David had for God. He totally gave himself over to God. He said, of all the things in my life, um, I want to make God the priority. In fact, everything filters through my relationship with God. 
the way I am as a husband, the way I am as a father, the way, and I've messed up at times, and, and there are times where David have messed up, but still, he never stopped loving God. And his love drove into action in things that he said and in things that he did. And I think that love can drive us to action too. And here's the craziest thing about the whole idea of how we are to love God. You know, the truth is, I could send you away this morning, and you could be like, man, Dave, that's a great message. I'm going to try and love God more this week. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to... But the reality is, we're always going to fall short, because we're human. We're imperfect. We'll, we'll never be able to love God the way he truly deserves to be loved. So do you know where we go to, to get help to love God? To God. It's, it's bizarre, but God is wanting to answer that prayer. We can say, God, I want to be able to love you more. And he, being love himself, will help us love him more. And that doesn't seem to make sense, but that God, that's God's heart, is that we would have this relationship. And he recognizes that it's uneven from the start because he is love. So he wants to help us even in the way that we love him. So let's make that our prayer this week. God, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, and you could say, I do love God. Then let's look for ways in, in things that we say and things that we do to show that love. But let's also say, God, I need your help. Because I'm not going to do the best job I can in my own strength. So God, would you help me love you the way you deserve to be loved? And maybe for you, there'll be something you'll do this week. There'll be an opportunity to tell someone about God and how you love him. Maybe there'll be an opportunity to, to, to do something this week. Maybe there'll be an opportunity to sign up and get baptized. But whatever it is, there'll be some way to respond to God's love so that, like David, we could say, yeah, I am a person after God's own heart. Let's pray together, shall we, to close. Father, as we continue to talk about love, you know, maybe this is where we should have started a couple of weeks ago because the reality is even in our relational love one to another, we can try as hard as we want, but without your help, Lord, sometimes it can, be, it can be an uphill climb. You are love. You are the perfect form of love. You are a good, good Father, and you love us. So, Lord, we just we lean into you this morning. I pray for everyone here that they would have the, uh, the courage, Lord, and the strength to leave this place and say, God, I want to learn to love you more. Because I know that in loving you, love leads to actions. Love leads to actions. And it's not just something that I say on a Sunday morning for an hour. But throughout my week, my life is different because of my love for you. So help me, Lord, to love you the way you deserve to be loved. And help that love to be um, demonstrated and shown to all around me in what I say and in what I do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.